Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's always good when something lives up to the billing. Yeah. Isn't it? We've just had the second World Cup final of the group stage. <laughs> I think we've also had today possibly the two best games of the tournament. Two of the top three, I think. Yeah. Taking th- place in the same day. I think Australia-Fiji has... It's the main competition. I think Wales-Fiji. Wales-Fiji as well. standout game. Yeah. For me. Man, it's one. been a really good World Cup so far, hasn't it's it? It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. If you ignore all the bullshit around the games. Yeah. And if you ignore, you know, the handful of... So we've seen today, we've seen England v Chile... Um, which obviously went one way. I will talk about that another time. Pablo mm-hmm. Moni has some real thoughts on that that I agree entirely with. Um, we've seen a phenomenal game between Georgia and Portugal. Yeah. And then we've seen possibly the two best teams in the world, Ireland and South Africa, go hammer and tongues at each other in one of the most intense games I've ever seen in my life. That yeah. was hard to watch. It was intense. It was hard to watch in the best possible ways, you know? It yeah, wasn't like, yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. like watching some like, you know, really, tricky harrowing drama yeah it was just intense it was brutal man like i don't think i've ever seen so many big hits going in the game mm. and so many people have rightly pointed out like none of them were like, yeah li- illegal yeah they were all like legal low tackles that were just going in and just bruising just, like oh i don't think there was a single penalty for a high tackle in that game no how good which there wasn't a single illegal clear out charge both defense coaches um that. yeah it was just phenomenal. Like, as you say, when teams are properly coached, that is what happens. People complain about, oh, there's no physicality, whatever. Watch that bloody game. That is exactly the case in point to point to whenever people complain about, oh, whatever ruins games, the rules, everything else. Anyone who's down in that game, ridiculous. Yeah. One or two people, but otherwise, like, I think if you like rugby, that was one of the best, the most entertaining, the most thrilling, the most out there, the most dynamic, and the most bloody physical games you'll ever see in your life. One of the closest, most evenly matched games. Yeah, two absolutely world-class teams. The number one team in the world and the world champions just completely going for each other and both playing exceptionally well. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, because you could say, it's often easy to, at this point, go, oh, because the Springboks didn't win, they underperformed. Mm. But I think it was, it took some team to beat that Springbok side playing like that. And like I think brutally. that's it, right? A lot of this game was billed as the best attack in the world against the best defence in the world, mm. right? And we saw that. But what that statement leaves out is we're looking at maybe the second best attack in the world against maybe the second best defence in the world. Yeah. Maybe that's an overclarification. That's kind of leaving France out because I think France are actually better on both, but that's fine. Um, I think the two feed into but, each other for these two teams. Yeah, don't you, okay, you're looking at the, you know, one of the best attacks in the world against one of the best defenders in the world, still evening out. Like I think in terms of pure organisation, yes. Like you probably are looking at those two. Yeah. As that because France are chaos. France that's it. Like like organised chaos. If you ignore but, France for a second, which yeah. we're gonna have to because bloody Dupont's gone, it makes me sad to think about them anymore. Even I can see a picture of Antoine Dupont out my the corner of my eye, which is because you're anywhere in France. If you're anywhere in France, there is a I think like a a one in three chance of seeing an Antoine Dupont picture somewhere. Yes. And he's on a bag for life. In yes. This circumstance. But so, um, Ireland against South Africa. 
Um, Ireland came out on top just about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an awful lot to dig into as we get into the game. It's sort of all blurred into one it's big, so hard to know massive physical to blob for me. Yeah. There's an awful lot. I think, like, if we were doing a video on this, which we'll try and do, but obviously, the you know, everything is all a nightmare. Um, there'd be an awful lot to get into, an awfully long video to make. Yeah. Um, just talking about it, I feel like I'm just going to be repeating myself over and over again is the thing. Yeah. Is the worry. Because that was unbelievable as a contest. But also, it was so physical and so, like, heave-ho and no one quite breaking through that... The- it's there's probably less to talk about than there is actually a couple of the other games today yeah the thing that uh, struck me most about that and I said this to you several times mm. throughout the game is that at no point could I have predicted what was going to happen next yeah whereas sometimes you can when you're you know, watching a game in the pub or whatever you can say oh I think this team just need to do this then this might happen you couldn't do that in that game yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know every scrum went a different way mm. every line out went a different way you know the tackles the aerial battle the Defense, the whole thing was just so hard to predict how each team would possibly respond to it. Yeah. And like the South African defense, like Ireland, I think the way that they've become the best attack in the world is off their phase shapes. And that's Mm. both our first phase and what they build over, you know, seven or eight phases. Yeah. And South Africa was so wise to that, you know, like on first phase, they always defended really, really well. So this is the thing, right? So the Irish attack is the best in the world because they use their bodies better than any other team in the world. Like ultimately, Right. If you're a rugby team, the resources you have to attack with are 15 bodies. Yeah. Right. And a ball. And there's some unpredictability there. But you've got to organize your shape, organize your whatever around those 15 bodies and what they can do, what they're best at, etc. Yeah. Right. No one uses those particular bodies better than Islanders. Why they go back to the side they just attack so often? Because those players are back up their feet, meaning they've got 15 players on their feet rather than using who's able to work around the other side. Yeah. It's why they're so good at using repeat runners. Uh, using players, getting involved several times, something we've seen Uruguay copying, uh, New Zealand starting to copy yeah. across this pool stage. So a lot um, of the most satisfying tries to watch are scored by Ireland. Yeah. You, know? you look at like um, that Dan Sheehan try against England in the Six Nations, you know, where they go sure, back to yeah. the several times. That man, Mac Hansen try against Scotland, you know. Yeah. Like there's so many tries like that that are just but, really, really enjoyable to watch. The other time. thing Ireland are really good at is when they get close to the trial line, they're really, really good at using their bodies instead of being in dynamic positions to attack and run as they are mm. in the rest of the field. They're used to pin in opposition players. Yes. Right. So something we saw an awful lot in the Six Nations, every game in the Six Nations, we saw Ireland using maybe there'd be one player, an Omani or a Sheehan, as you yeah, say, or an Conan. Andrew, Andrew yeah. Porter's very good at it as well. Yeah. Who just like lies there and they've maybe got like one arm around someone's leg and they're lying on top of someone else and they're trying to like reach around and like get in the way of a third player. And, and yeah, and that's it. They make them sort of big so also people at least have to run around like the yeah. folding defence, right? Right, but like a dummy runner, say, takes out one defender, takes mm. means one defender's watching them and sometimes even then only for a split second, Right. By doing that job close to the trial line, they're able to take out three players with one go. That's the best use of that body, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why the Irish attack is as good as it is. But by and large, they just use their resources better than anyone else. Because yeah. everyone gets the same number of resources. Everyone gets the same, you know, stuff. I mean, you know, a little more part aside. Um, what South Africa did today, I felt, was the best job of pulling apart the Irish attack um, we saw the handful of times Ireland got up onto the try line. I don't think anyone's done as good a job of just spreading, just getting yeah. everyone back up to their feet, not falling for any of their tricks and letting people in. They were looking for it really clearly. There's one moment in particular where Faf de Klerk gets back up to his feet as someone's trying to pin him in on the ground. Yeah. And it leads to it looking like, um, I think it was Tyke Furlong, um, could have been Porter, could have been anyone really. Um, 
you know, I've only seen the game live once. Yeah, um, and it finished like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it leads to uh, Faftagot standing up and he's just looking like films, making a to- terrible, terrible attempt to clear out. Uh, the potentially some referees might penalise. And like, I think O'Keefe was right to let it go, but I think some might have. Um, and they were very smart in just how they got back up to their feet and they made a point of it. They made a point of where they were, of how they were being pulled in. Um, and that was something they did, you know, incredibly, incredibly smartly in terms yeah. of just like getting out of there and allowing them to get right back up to their feet, not allowing Ireland to play their little games. And then the other thing is off more organized shapes, um, further out, you know, the halfway lines, the kind of two middle zones, the two middle, uh, quarters of the pitch. We saw an awful lot of the Springboks just like flying up almost as individuals, like yeah, sending sure. up like five, like what they used to call the beacons, just kind of flying up in the middle, mm. uh, and just getting in the middle of the Irish shapes, yeah. you know, cause, it was something I spoke to a friend of the channel, friend of the podcast, Connor of Wibble Rugby, who was saying before the game, I think we're going to see an awful lot of um, Ireland throwing inside long passes, mm-hmm. um, just because it's a good way to kind of catch the way the Springboks defend in terms of them flying up a lot using the toy and using the clerk. Um, and we didn't see that at all because we had the likes of Umbanambi just shooting up yeah, and just yeah. filling the space. I think Damien D'Alande had an excellent game in defence. I think yeah. um, the, the Springbok line was so disciplined that they didn't give away many penalties just in the defensive area. Yeah. They really backed themselves defensively to get off the line and force the opposition to make an error. And Ireland did make a somewhat uncharacteristic amount of errors. We both remarked about how in the second half, like, there was not an, like, not a through the roof amount of kicking. Yeah, you know, yeah. That both teams were kind of desperately clinging onto the ball because the physical battle was just so yeah, present, you know? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting thing as well. We saw the Springboks running back far more ball than I think we've ever seen before. Yeah. Under Razzie and Jacques. Um, is that a Damien Willemser thing? I don't think it is, because we saw them consistently handing it off to one of the wingers or to a number eight in the backfield, mm. be it Smith or be it um, Visa, and them just, like, pelting it back up and then setting a target off that yeah. and attacking from halfway. Uh, we've seen them in the last year 18 months uh a little bit since the lions tour started to lean into more of an attacking game but particularly in the last year where they've shifted from a one three three one or even a two 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 to or a three even yeah uh yeah to a one three two two and be far more dynamic in attack and look to go wide far more often uh going to the wings far earlier you know playing yeah. far wider trying to get there using dale as a back rather than as a forward yes. you know yeah he occasionally slots in both. as a first receiver he kind of slips around and also using the likes of Harjay Snymo, which we saw really well when he came on, Khaleesi in wider channels and allowing their best carriers to try and be hitting weaker seams sure. rather than sending them straight to the middle yeah. and looking to, you know, eke out penalties, eke out five metres, two metres at a time. They're looking to maybe gain 10 metres off getting, you know, a, a, a Jasper Visa running into, you know, a, a winger who might be a bit smaller. Sure. And, you know, Mac Hansen. We saw an awful lot of actually running at Mac Hansen, running at Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Uh, an awful lot of late shots off the ball on both of them to try and wear them down, I think, as well. Um, love it, by the way. Oh, all into it. All very, very into it. I absolutely loved when off the first scrum the Springboks had, they just sent Visa old school style, picked and went and went straight to Sexton. I love that so I, much. I especially love that because like Johnny Sexton loves putting in a big hit early in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And he also has this thing that he's always done since he was like a kid where at some point in the first five minutes of a game, he will run into the biggest player <laughs> to like prove yeah. that he's like hard enough and physically up for it enough because some tens don't fancy that. And he loves like the whole, oh, let him know you're there thing. Mm. Um, and I love that. And again, like I love the amount of late shots both sides were putting in yeah. because again like 
they weren't so late that it was like dangerous or penalizable. It was just a case of just like, oh, I can put Fafta Clerk on his ass here. I'm going to yeah. do that. I can put Johnny Sexton on his ass here. I'm going to do that. You know? But that's okay. So to come back to the Springboks running it back. Yeah. And that's the thing, yes, right? Yes, a few times sorry. that really backfired on them. A few times they did get picked up or dragged back. Tyke Byrne, I think, got over the ball once as well. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple of big shots where Omani got one in. Omani, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, he emptied it for the sort of 55 odd minutes. Absolutely. I have no idea because he didn't seem to announce it on the, the coverage of who was the official man of the match. It's Bundyaki. Uh, Bundyaki. Okay, fine. Which I think, I think is a really good selection. I think he was the best player in the first half. I mm. think the second half was far more even. I don't think you could pick a best I player. I think he was um, um, unbelievable. I don't know. I think necessary as well. It's the thing with Bundyaki because like the amount of times where he just bailed Johnny Sexton out, yeah. where the, the defense were all in his face and. You can you can give Bundyaki a hospital pass and still mm. make five ten yards off it. Yeah. He's ludicrous. Well, I think I think we we keep getting off that. I will continue the well, the one point on the Springboks running the ball back um, because I'm not 100 percent where this is because this has happened in the other two games as well. But they've been up against perhaps um, what the Tonga game, no, the Romania game was certainly you know more of an excuse to do that. That was fine. I uh, haven't a bit in the Scotland game, but I haven't watched that back a second time yet. Or you know I have. I've skimmed through it a bit uh, in order to have a look at it, but I haven't you know properly dug into it um but i think there's an awful lot of that springbok kicking game was all about momentum and always you know it was always the idea was like they always want to be moving forward sure and i think there's something in them recognizing that's not where the game's going the kicking game is so easily deflected by teams like ireland because ireland barely hang any balls in the air i think sex and hung it in the air once and you maybe got a couple of box kicks as well maybe yeah. two or three by um gibson park maybe one once murray came on yeah so Barely any balls going in the air, meaning that you're not having the effect it was having in 2019 when the dominant tactic became to hang it in the air or to kick it long and allow the fullback to cover it. Instead, you've got James Lowe pelting it as long as he can. He's yeah. got a hell of a boost. He can smack it, can't he? Yeah. And so often, what were contestable kicks are suddenly turning into 15-meter neck losses because of how big a boot Lowe have and because of how well Ireland use their resources kicking-wise, right? Like, Sexton kicks a very small percentage of Ireland's ball. Mm. Like... I think sex and kick maybe yeah like once twice this mm-hmm. evening and most of the kicking was done by Lowe and done by the Gibson scrum Park, off you yeah, know Gibson Park or Murray whoever's on um, and that changes everything in terms of how you run it back as the spring box in terms sure. of what you do from the backfield and there's a lot of time I was, my instinct was like no you, you hang this you hang this in the air you kick and you look to weak out a penalty on the next couple of faces but Ireland weren't falling for that and Ireland were too smart for that and they have the very particular tools to undo the Springbok kicking game. Sure. And it felt like a strategy that had been built up over a very long time um, in terms of Ireland can deal with us. Ireland can deal with our kicking game by just pelting it as long as possible. Right. Like yeah. the only other team we've seen nullify the Springbok kicking game as well is Wales because they do the exact same thing back to them. Yeah. You know? And Ireland love you know keeping the ball in play when yeah. they do kick that. that Their defence is so strong that a few times we did see like periods of pressure where the Springboks have been on top for five, ten minutes. And those periods felt like forever whilst yeah. watching it. It felt like, oh God, Ireland, how are Ireland possibly going to survive this? Like they're definitely going to crash over or maul over at something at some point. And then it would result in, you know, James Lowe smacks it long or uh, Hugo Keenan smacks it long or Matt Hansen, whoever. And then Tyburn comes up with a big turnover, yeah. you know, in the breakdown. And Marty does Yeah, exactly. Um, and a big part of that, the vibe was... Oh, are Ireland clinging on here? Or are Ireland just insanely resilient and yeah. just prepared for these environments? Because I think that there's very few teams who will give Ireland as much discomfort as the Springboks did yeah. today. Yeah, and that's exactly it. That's absolutely it. Um, I think what we saw from Ireland today is something very different to what we saw in the Six Nations, mm-hmm. where 
we were largely praising, and with good reason, Ireland's attack. Yeah. Ireland's resources, the way they worked through teams, the way they tore them open. Uh, and yes, the defence got some credit and the kicking game got some credit, right? And their pack got a lot of credit, deservedly, particularly for that France game. Um, but that France game and that England game had kind of like the destiny thing of like, this is Sexton's last sure. run. This is this team has really built over the last few years and they're playing at home and everything else. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that build into that performance, right? Beyond them just being incredibly good. And obviously they are incredibly good. That's not to, you know, belittle that in any way. Um, but we saw them kind of, they kind of had every excuse to play well in those two big six nations. I know what you mean. Right? I think, um, what we saw today was them take the next step up. Yeah, that's I it. Think. That's it. I think that today, on one hand, I, I've just tweeted this, so I'm going to steal my own point. <laughs> but like, um, that was the most we've seen Ireland look human. It's yes. the most that we've had to because, like, in the Six Nations, they were barely challenged. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Like, obviously, they had that France game. Ireland did for a, a half. Right? Yeah, and then France got away. They got away from but France. That's in the it. Half. And like, they had home advantage there. And as you say, the, the destiny factor. Like, yeah, it just felt like that was Ireland's game. Like, they had to win that somehow. Some, someone was smiling down them that made them win, win that game, which is a bullshit point. But I stand by it. But but it's there. sometimes the case. Sometimes things just yeah, come together. I know what you mean. You know? It's just a vibe. And that wasn't the case for France that day. And yeah, whereas here, like that game would be very different if they play it in the World Cup. Yeah, play it this and year. The tone was set very early on that the Springboks are here to to mm. batter them. You know, mm. um, and the fact that, as I said, this is the most we've seen Ireland tested. This is like, before this, I kind of had this thing in my head where it's just like, I can't see a scenario where somebody beats Ireland. I just don't see, mm. I just don't, I think they're too good that somebody other than France could come along and beat them. And yet, after that, I do kind of think, I mean, this is a weird thing to say after Ireland have put together like an absolutely worldly performance, like, but it does feel like, oh shit, no, like, if somebody gets everything right, it is possible they are human. Um, and they're not going to always score 100 tries off these phase shapes. Yeah. That if you play your cards right, you can defend this. As I say, like, Deolande in midfield and Creel in midfield, as you say, making those individual reads all the time to shut off this defence. Mm. And sometimes they, it cost them five yards or whatever. And that was fine yeah. because they'd stemmed the momentum of the attack and that they, they could then read all of the different options they can then play off that. It was really, really smart defended. Because there's a very obvious parallel to this island team, isn't there, right? A very blue clear parallel, which is Leinster. Yeah. Which is the fact that Leinster are brilliant and dominate club rugby in Europe, particularly in the URC, and after a very long time, and yet they haven't won a title in several years. Mm. Right? They have lost the URC twice in a row to a team with a massive pack who's come along and got one lucky bounce, and that's been enough because they've taken the pack away from them. Right? And the Springboks could have had that, and there's a Big point I think is being shared around. A lot of people are having this take, and I think it's a very fair one. The goal kicking cost the Springboks here. Yeah. Right? You had Jacques Nineber coming up and making that point of, you know, it's fine if the ball gets man of the match and he wins the game on his own through all the other attributes if his goal kicking isn't up to scratch. Tonight, I thought he had a very good game. He was very good, but he didn't get man of the match and win the game. Exactly. And he did miss four kicks. Um, I think it was three penalties and conversion. Here's a very, I suppose, no, there was four missed kicks. Two of them were faff to clerk. But. Yeah. Here's a very loaded question. Mm-hmm. How is that game different if Andre Pollard's the starting 10? Oh. I know it's pointless to... No, but I think the Springboks played largely the same way they would play with Pollard. I don't yeah. think they were playing the kind of game they did against Scotland, where they're far more open and far more leaning on and trusting the box. Agreed. Um, I don't. I think they played largely the same I game think... plan. I don't think they played it as well as they would have done with Andre Pollard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also think if that game was exactly the same, but Pollard slots in, Pollard gets one of those three exactly kicks. Exactly, Pollard gets at least one of them, and suddenly that game's a different, different animal in the last ten minutes. Yeah. Um, 
Because there wasn't that kind of like individualism that Libox sometimes goes for, where he makes like crazy yeah. breaks on his own, yeah. or you know the no look crossfield kicker, that kind of thing. He was very much playing to what we know traditionally to be the Springbok system. Yeah, and that's the but that's the thing about the Leinster system, Leinster thing, right? The Leinster comparison, the Leinster of it all, is that we have seen Leinster slip up repeatedly against teams with the exact same DNA, mm. right? Which is huge pack. A couple of players who can pull bullshit out of nowhere, yeah. um, which Larochelle have, which the Bulls had, which Munster had to a degree, but largely that you know they were the other thing. Really, the bullshit, have. really the bullshit was Jack Crowley hitting that drop goal. You know, sure. I think that was the kind of bullshit factor. Was Munster will always be able to hit drop goal in the last minute. It doesn't matter who's playing for them. It doesn't matter how bad they are at the time. Munster will always be able to knock over a late drop goal. That's just like a fact of life. Mm. Um, and so you have that kind of. You know, coming down, deciding that being a huge factor in all of this. Um, and then Leinster have fallen apart and lost those games, right? South Africa have all of those attributes. And it's why I was kind of looking at this game with the game I felt almost most conf- not most confident, but I felt there's a great chance of Ireland losing over this. I mm. felt the Springboks were best seems to set up to beat them than New Zealand. Um, and then France, though also you've got the kind of destiny factors you say around France. Yeah. And like it feels hard to be, see anyone beating them if DuPont recovers. Yeah. Um, I but, felt more like Ireland could lose that during the game than I ever did before the game. No, I just felt like when you look at the strengths and weaknesses of these two teams, like the thing that hurts Ireland most are the things the Springboks do best. Because we've seen that with Leinster. We've seen mm. teams with exactly the Springboks' strengths and weaknesses. Oh, mate, like beat Leinster Leiman nearly crushed their hearts like a monster yeah. player nearly came on and well came on and like made two line breaks and was saying like how on earth does he for, for a gap yeah but he was almost but the guy the thing... was both the bullshit factor and a part of a massive pack. yeah ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But I think the thing with the, the Leinster thing, and the thing I was saying about Ireland earlier, kind of coming of age, right, is that they survived all of that. Yeah. They survived all of that and they came through, um, which Leinster haven't done in yeah. these big games. Um, and Ireland haven't really had to do no. in this run. They've not since, been tested that hard. No. Since they kind of began this run somewhere, I think they kind of went up a gear in the 2022 Six Nations. Um, I think before that they were building something and it wasn't mm. 100% there. Um, but you could see where it was going and you could see it could come good. Sure. And in 2026, they go up again and they become safely the second best team in Europe. Uh, then they go to New Zealand and it just continues building from there. And yeah. they've got better and better and better yeah. since then. Um, what we saw today was probably the most impressive they've been because none of the things that they're known for went right and yet they managed to come through and beat 
one of the top three sides in the world. Yeah. Who were playing phenomenally well. They managed to do it entirely on their plan B, basically. Yeah. And I could see them doing that again. It's the thing. Mm. Now that they've done that once, I feel like that genuinely might have hardened them a little bit. Mm. And there's this point you made where you said, uh, ages ago, where you said, like, no team has ever won a World Cup that's not had, like, a setback somewhere yeah. along the route. Um, and that the loss to Ireland in the Six Nations might be the one that France need. Yeah. And potentially losing to Antoine Dupont. Losing Dupont also might be the we, one that France It doesn't help Antoine them at Mac, all. obviously. But, yeah. Uh, might be what France needs. As you say, yeah, there's no world in which you take that and turn that into a positive. But it's, you know what I mean? But the same thing Eddie Jones has been saying about Australia, right? It's like yeah. the team needs this heartbreak in order to build from there. Sure. But with Ireland, weirdly, I think this could act as a substitute for that, yeah. in a sense. Like, they could have Andy Farrell saying to them, like, let's not get in that position ever again, because we have coasted, almost coasted the Six Nations, mm. um, and, you know, almost coasted a Test Series in New Zealand. Like, let's never play like that again. Let's never have that scare again. And obviously they were phenomenal, yeah. right? Um, but I think that... the Coach, international coaches are weird in that they can leave that to a side for a moment when they do an analysis yeah. session and they'll go right you make one mistake what the fuck is wrong with you you know the other side of this right is and this was always my kind of gut feeling going into this world cup mm. was that the island draw is too difficult and too demanding on them as players as bodies yeah um and seeing them come through that game was unbelievable right that yeah. was amazing that was phenomenal they were brilliant um, they were brilliant in ways they haven't had to be before. Yes, and their level of physicality on display. was And we immense. knew that they would be. We yeah that would be would have that in them. But yeah, we've not had proof that they do yet. But here's the thing: until now, right? Which we now do. That was one of the most physical games I've ever seen in my life. Yes, right. Uh, Mac Hansen described it as like Grand Slam on steroids. Yes, <laughs> playing in it. Um, you will hear stories, no doubt, for years about how that was the equivalent of like the second test in the 2009 Lions. Yeah. You know, in terms of one of the most physical games ever played. <laughs> that was a poor Everyone, game. Yeah. How bad is that? Everyone is going to be so bruised after that. I think one of the um, most telling, I think, perhaps tweets I saw after the game was from Willis Hollow, the Cardiff and, you know, Wales centre. Um who said those players are all going to need four days of recovery, four days in ice, bath, ice baths. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. He's right. He yeah. know. You know, he's been in some incredibly bruising test matches himself. He's, you know, played in Grand Slam Six Nations campaigns. He's played in, you know, big games for Cardiff. Like, I know that you, sometimes you can go like, oh yeah, a week is a long time to recover from yeah. a game. But actually, anyone who played 80 minutes of that genuinely will need a week off. Yeah. Like, will need a week so off. So Ireland do have a week off, right? Yes. But then they play Scotland, who will be going absolutely manic. Like, if they get five points against Tonga this weekend, then suddenly that game is for them to get out the group. And if they yeah. win by eight points or more, they get through. Right, Scotland got put out in the last World Cup in the group stage. They got knocked out controversially the World Cup before by the Craig Joubert incident. And then the World Cup before they went out of the group stage, right? So none of this team have had a good World Cup. This has been as much a frustration for them as it has been for Ireland. Yeah. And this is their game, right? So Ireland just played their big pool game. And they're now thinking, no doubt by now, about New Zealand in the quarters, which yeah. is likely going to be their draw. Scotland are not. Scotland are going, we have to throw absolutely everything at Ireland, right? Against so, a local rival as well. Yeah. Who they had a really frustrating game against in the Six Nations. Yeah. Like, they were there. always they playing them in the URC. Like, yeah. They know these guys well. So that is going to be another incredibly physical game. 
right? Ireland come through both of those and they're going to have to play the strongest team against Scotland again because yeah. they can't afford to lose that game. No. Having played the full team against Tonga and a very strong team against Romania and a strong team in all their warm-up games. Now, I know Farrell's talked a bit about how he wants all his players to be playing and be, you know, match fit going into games and he wants the cohesion and the everything else. But you then take that team, having played that game with yeah. that intensity into another game of a... Yeah, it can't be the same intensity because of the level, but like an incredibly physical test match against Scotland. And then a week later, they need to back that up and, and beat play... the All Blacks. Yeah, the All Blacks and beat them. And the All Blacks, likewise, have spent a year going, we are pissed off. Oh yeah, with- they're the guys who hammered us at home yeah. in a test series twice. Like, that was a moment of national shame for New Zealand. That yeah. was genuine like Such front a big page deal. news. Yeah. That was... Like, it was a huge deal for Ireland, you know, there's a lot of talk of Ireland's greatest ever rugby moment. Uh, it was a bigger deal for New Zealand because that hasn't happened to them ever. No. You know, you're going back to the 90s for the last time they lost a test series at home. And that was enormous for them. And they spent a year pissed off and going, well, at least we can hit them when it counts in the World Ireland Cup. Ireland are the team with a target on the back from an All Black perspective. Yeah, right? they are the team the All Blacks want to beat most. Like, I reckon if they could beat any team in the World Cup, if they could knock out any one team in the knockouts, Ireland are the team they want to beat. Right, yeah. Ireland have got to come through those three games. They've got to win that quarterfinal. I think they've got a very good chance of doing that. You know, I think this is genuinely the best chance of ever doing that, of, yeah. of taking that monkey and hurling it off their back and that a wall and wanting it to splat. Oh, if they manage but, to get through all of that, like they deserve to bloody be in a. But final that's the thing, right? They it. then play. They will then play England, Wales, Australia, Fiji. Argentina, Japan, one of those Portugal, lot, right? Chile. And I just like, I look at this and this doesn't make sense, when, especially when you watch that game and I was so far beyond all of those teams, everything we've seen from those teams in the tournament. I just worry I'm going to be too knackered by the point they get to that stage. Mm. And like, the emotional energy it would take to win a quarterfinal, especially against the bloody All Blacks who put them out four years ago. It's and a Thailand went into that in 2019 thinking this is our chance, this is our World Cup, this is it. They went into that tournament as world number one as well. Yeah. And they got knocked out. You know, New Zealand put 40-plus on them. Yeah. Um, the emotional energy it would take to get out of that and then go, brilliant, we've got an easy draw in the quarterfinal because we've got, you know, this team that is ostensibly and realistically so far below us. I worry that'll be a banana skin for Ireland and they'll be so physically battered because that game is going to take some recovery. Yeah. And then they've got two more games that take some recovery. It's just as well they have the week off now. Like, that yeah. is the biggest yeah, thing the... in their favour. Yeah. It could not have come at a better, t- better time. And, like, the Springboks, they were wishing they had a full week off. But they now play Tonga. They've got to play Tonga. They've got eight days. And Those ribs do not get any less sore by playing Tonga. You've kind of got to play a weakened team, I think. You've got to give yeah. a bunch of those players a rest. And probably seven on it again. And just in reverse, you know, start the pack that was on the bench and then bring the others 40 minutes each, like... You yeah. can manage that. And look, uh, Jacques and Razi are extremely smart when it comes to squad management. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you made the point earlier that, like, Razi is the best in the world at timing his substitutions yeah. and looking after his squad and knowing when somebody can make an impact. And I feel like they'll know exactly how far they can push their luck against Tonga. Yeah. And I feel like it's probably pretty far. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. So, um, that first half, which felt impossibly long, yes. Um, even Etzebeth was absolutely unreal. Oh, I was, you took the words was out somehow mouth. just as good, if not even better. Etzebeth is so annoying. Like the way he managed to get to every single breakdown tirelessly and just be annoying in whichever way possible. Like he should be 
that second row that you play against um, at amateur level where you just go, oh, you're not actually good at rugby, you're just really annoying. <laughs> but he is. He's world class. He's one of the best players in the world. Eben Etzebeth, right, is almost certainly the best lock of the last 10 years. Right, mm. Alan Wynne jones is a contender, but I think he is Samuel Lock as well. I think Eben Etzebeth is probably the best lock of the last 10 years. I don't think I've ever seen him play better 20 minutes than he did yeah. today. God, he's unbelievable. I just, there's no way around him. There's no way of stopping no. him. How are you meant to, because you pin him on the floor and he'll wriggle free and then he'll get to the next breakdown or you pin you on the floor and he'll laugh in your face and you slap your scrum off and then it'll take him out of the game. Mm. He, every single do, thing you do to counter him, he finds a different way to be annoying. And it's smart, it's calculated, it's tactical. It's not just, um, he's just a big annoying bastard. Like he's so clever in everything he does and it's all deliberate. And I'm, I don't mean that as like, oh bloody, he should be sent off for this. It's like, no, he's so, so good good at being mm. a second row he's and constantly hitting nine's head I think we saw a lot of that in that first kind of five ten minutes yeah where you had that moment where Ireland turned down the shot of goal to go for the corner really yeah. early on Ooh, which badly. hugely pissed off the box yeah. led to them losing the line out them kicking it you know Colby recovering it almost and then, scoring a try down the other end yeah ending up almost going to try eventually kicking three points and getting in the lead uh, and that felt like genuinely a moment that could have lost Ireland of the game yeah just the Box were not as up for it before as they were when they went. Oh, they want to get the bloody bonus point against us. Yeah, and they turned, they changed, and suddenly became so much more physical and so much angrier. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to go on Etzebeth and on Khaleesi firing the team up there. Khaleesi was bloody good, wasn't he? Yeah, it's a moment Sam Warburton's talked about from the 2015 England game mm. in the World Cup of when England kicked for the corner to try and get the win rather than taking a draw. Warburton walked round saying to the entire team, "This is an insult." This yeah, is like, an insult to we us. We do not take that. Yeah. They, there is absolutely no world in which they score here. And Wales push them out. Wales shove them all into touch. Go on to win the game. From there. Yeah. And instead of being 77 minutes, it's three minutes in that Ireland do that. Yeah. And South Africa make the statement. And Faf was an unbelievable kick for uh, Chesney Colby to chase. No, Curly Aronso to chase. Curly Aronso. Curly Aronso. Um, apologize. Yeah. Unbelievable. Faf Kluk, again, I think, played... Well, no, he played very well when... It he, was like, a he real did the, weird mixed bag, kicks, wasn't it, for Faf? But he did occasionally, like, just lob balls over the top, which ended up backfiring. That wasn't working. Those three balls he threw over the top were not on. Um, and it's the not, box trying to run out from their own 22 in the first few minutes as well was mad. Yeah. There's a thing Peter Stefftoy said about the last World Cup final, where the moment Farrell tried to run out of plans and post, he knew they were going to win the World Cup. Yeah. And seeing South Africa do that felt like a big Very strange, becoming the villain Because it's thing. not like... Because there's one tactic that Ireland do regularly, mm. and they did it today, where obviously you've got Lowe mm. on one wing, you've got Hansen on the other wing. Lowe is essentially their main specialist kicker. Hansen is a fly half, you know, grew up as a fly half, um, has an extremely advanced, like, tactical rugby brain. Um, Lowe's a left footer on the left wing, Hansen's a right footer on the right wing. With Gibson Park, we'll just skip everybody and just flip it all the way up because he can pass half the length of the field at yeah. any given moment. Um, and if they're in enough space, they're automatically kick on the front foot yeah. because the whole defence will just go, all oh, balls in the air, let's all crowd around him. And both of them can get a kick away that's good enough and low enough, like, really really quickly under pressure and it just you know gets the ball bouncing downfield and they use that today mm. and it's not the same as what Faftaclerk was doing where he was lobbing those passes and clearly with Ireland that's a, such a rehearsed and deliberate thing that gains yeah. them such an advantage with Springboks felt like they were doing it for the sake of it to try and find space and Ireland just 
are really good at shutting that down in a split second. The thing, though, that the Springboks, I think, naturally are a very kicking-oriented team. Yeah. And so are Ireland, right? But people think of them as an attacking running team. But so many of Ireland's fancy moves are built around low kicking the ball or Hansen kicking the ball. Yeah. And that's the reason those two are in the team, over Keith Earls or whoever. I think a part of it is because they don't load on Sexton. Yeah, you know exactly. People think, oh, Sexton kicks so little the ball. Yeah, yeah, because he's there as a dictator more than anything. He's there for his mouth, for his brain, and his hands. Yeah, he calls the shapes, he sets the things, but it's actually Keenan. It's actually the two wingers. It's why he still works at the age of (laughs) fifty-one. Yeah, Ringrose as well. Ringrose kicks a lot. Um, Some thoughts on whether he should come back on after his concussion. Uh, seemed a bit dodgy to me, but, you know, medical professional made that decision. Fine. Um, the other thing I think we'll talk about from that first half is the Hansen try. Yes. Because everything I was saying about the Springboks bouncing out and making sure they're not sucked in by Ireland wanting to commit bodies and wanting to pull them in. And we had several attempts during that phase of them wanting to pull them in. And South Africa stood firm. They stood as a line. They were really, really well organized. And yet, Ireland managed to open up twice. Yeah. Once, I think, Sexton bombs it i think he blows it i think he should have given the pass but that's fine because ireland showed why they're as good as they are right which is sexton is their main guy he's their main kind of deliberator he calls most of the shapes he organizes most of the rugby mostly everything mostly attack but everyone else is just as able as slotting in and yeah. running that yeah and so we saw when he went off his feet when bloody sex donkey was off his feet and on the ground Instead of worrying, or instead of the scrum are having to take over, or instead of them setting into forward patterns, instantly another player, and I apologise, I don't, I haven't watched the game back. I think again. it was Ringrose. I, I think it was Ringrose. Ringrose yeah. is my gut feeling. Ringrose, who's going to say? I'm not 100% sure. Slots in, and instantly slides into 10, and sets a shape, and they get the ball wide, and Hansen scores in the corner. Yeah. They work that instantly. The Springboks have done the best job anyone has done in quite a long time of shutting them down. Shutting down their attack. Like, there's a moment where you look at that and you think, oh, they might have not, they might not score here. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And actually, they're just as clinical. They're just as clinical as they, they ever are, even with a team shutting them down, which comes back to this being such a big boy performance from Ireland. Yeah. It feels so weird that Ireland went an 80 minutes where they only scored one try, doesn't it? Yeah. And yet they scored the exact amount of points they needed to to win that game. Yeah. Hansen nearly bombed that, didn't he? Oh, geez. Yeah. Jeez, I thought he had. Could have cost him the game. And you know what? It's pointless to discuss because he did get it down and it was fine in the end. But Jesus Christ, heart and mouth watching that. <laughs> yeah, like, I can only imagine being Irish. In such a tight game, if I was picking a dick of a day, it would definitely be Mike Hansen for nearly putting the, the whole game on the line there for an extra couple of inches towards the post. And look, they got the kick. They won the game. It was all fine. But yikes. Yikes indeed. Big, big yikes um we did see in the second half a couple of times where the orb came into effect yes the orb the orb we do not question the orb we do not understand the orb but the orb knows all and i question whether the orb did indeed know all we had a conversation around that portugal game um about the idea that I thought Appleton pointed the post before checking with Sosa Guedas, mm. um, whether he'd, you know, wanted to have the shot at goal, um, in the last minute. And you were saying there's no captain that would ever do that. Yeah. The thing is, right, for South Africa, they have the coach dictating That's who has a the shot, really good point. Not the kicker. There They're is, not checking with the kicker. There is no protocol in which. That's such a good point. I'd not even considered yeah. that. 
Like, what if Marnie Libok looks up to that and goes, I don't fucking want to kick this. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get it. You know, I, is he going to overrule Shaq Nineba and then go into the team meeting afterwards and have Nineba go, I, I told you to kick that. Yeah. Why have you ignored me? Why have you disrespected Especially me? Especially if they lose by three and points. The thing is, even then, if Marnie Libok go, knowing what Shaq Nineba is mm. like, if Marnie Libok then go, turns around and goes, because I wouldn't have got the kick, he'd have gone, what, you don't believe in yourself? You're dropped. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we know what Shaq Nineba's like. He's extremely, like, aggressive as a coach. Yeah. And he's extremely, like, in your face and... Wants the Springboks so to believe in absolutely everything. Clip of him in the Lions documentary of him asking Damien Dielanda if he cares about the man next to his family. Exactly, because he put in a normal tackle yeah. rather than like putting an incredibly aggressive Williams dominant on his tackle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. That's really sketchy now you put it that way. Yeah. And so there's a couple of those kicks Faf de Klerk takes, right? And I don't think a few years ago they would have been taking them. No. I don't I think so. Think... Not without Franz staying in the team. Yeah. I don't think Faf would have been taking them anyway. No. Um, that, that's extremely forced, very isn't it? Questionable as to whether that's a good practice. Look, there's, um, uh, I understand it. I get it. You know, I think obviously all teams have that kind of question going on. Yeah, but when it's as visible as the orb, and the orb does, of course, know all. Yeah, then I you've don't... got to ask a question, right? And also, then why are you taking the agency well from Sia Khaleesi, who's the best captain on earth? Exactly, exactly. I don't want to sound like Matt Williams doing the whole morally correct thing, because that's not the lane I'm going to go down. But there is a general thing, like when people are coached to coach amateur level, mm. right? Um, you're told, do not give, when you're on the sideline and the players are playing, do not give them advice. Do not say to them, kick it. Do not say to them, give it to this guy. Sure. Do not give them yeah. any advice while play is going on, because... You want to teach these players to make their own decisions, right? Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe in that as um, at least like 95% of the time. Um, like as a rule of thumb, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that at, at, a, at a point. Obviously, comes 2019, South Africa having Alid Walters on the sideline yeah. and Jacques Nainable was running the... Um, Defence. Uh, but he was running water on, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and oh, he and he was then standing on the side. And- as a medic, Yeah. yeah. But that was the thing, yeah. He so he didn't have to be because he was a, he's a registered medic because yes. you know it's where he came through. He yeah. met Razi as a medic. But the point is, so they had those two who mm. were both coaching on the sideline, giving tactical advice, and Jack Nainer, but often leading the defence from the sideline, mm. would stand with his medical bag in line with the defence and say, "Ready, ready up!" You know, call him and say, "Like we're going to run this kind of defence, like yeah. hammer, hammer, get off the line, whatever." Um, as defences all do, just to save the breath and to say the clarity of thought for the players who are busy running from side to side on the mm. pitch, right? Um, and there's a point to, to that where you go, you would not recommend any coach to do this. The th- but the difference is, this is the World Cup, yeah. and they have to win this. It's all about winning at all costs. It's not about developing players, because they're already pretty much at the absolute mm. peak of what they will be. This, however, is different. This is different. They're in the, in the box. They're not on the side of the pitch. And you're right, they are not bouncing off what the players think of this yeah. at all. They're not bouncing off the, the energy of Marnie Libok, who is the person who has to step up and slot that kick. If Jack Nyanaber held up the thing and ran on the pitch himself and then kicked it, knowing yeah. he could, that's a completely different story, mm. right? But they do not know what Marnie Libok or Fafta Klerk or any of the other leaders, as you say, Sikhalisi, most importantly, they do not know what his energy on the pitch mm. is or whether he wants them to take that. As you say... Put some trust in Khaleesi. You can get a feel Best for it from the, the stand. You can get a feel from it over TV. You can get a feel from it from the coach's box. Yeah. But you can't really understand what's going on in that field unless you're there. Yeah. You also can't understand what's going on in the kicker's head unless you're them. 
you know, to an extent it's inspired to an extent it's moronic like i completely i'm all behind it i don't think i should ban it it's no ridiculous. not at all i question whether it's the tactically right thing to be doing that's it they're doing it at their own peril I, at times yeah i question whether it's the best thing for south africa to be making those decisions rather than of the coaches be making the decisions rather than leaving it to the kicker and to Khaleesi. Yeah, it shows a lack of trust in their players, which Mm. is kind of not what they're built on. Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, Because it does lead to those missed kicks. And I don't know, man, like... Again, I'm fine with him doing it. Manny LeBarque is one of the top five kind of line kickers in the world. He's unbelievable at that. His last kick at the end is phenomenal. Trust him to do that. Again, it's that speech that Khaleesi gave, right? About we're a team, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Trust Lebok to use one of his biggest strengths as well. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a loss there, as well as the miss of three points, which obviously come incredibly invaluable there. But look at drop goals, look at setups there, look at streaks and three points out of them when they're in the 22. Islanders are incredibly disciplined around 22. Like yeah. it's incredible where they give the penalties Impressively away. Impressively so, yes. Yeah, how clean they are there. It was the same thing with France on the opening night, right? You look at France and basically all the penalties they give away in their own 22 when they're on real attacking chances. Um, they don't give a chance to piggyback up the field. Other than kind of the opposite, in mm. that you get up to the 22, then the defence spreads out, they're incredibly disciplined, they don't compete for the ball a great deal, only if it's like real isolation or it's Ty Byrne who kind of has more of a free roaming licence. Uh, Van der Vliet may be a bit as well. But you see them far more happy to take risks and go for risky turnovers yeah. outside the round 22 than a squeaky clean around 22. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, as I say, the opposite of France, who are only going to give you penalties if they think it's going to prevent a try. Yes. Um, I do not like that they back their own defence all the way. And that is something very admirable and something that really works for them because yeah. we saw the Springboks, frankly, have far more chances to take them and they were less clinical than either were. Yeah. Right? Ireland, I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't know how many 22 entries they had. But it felt a bit like they had maybe four and scored on three of them. To that effect, yeah. maybe I'm off. Maybe that's kind of recency bias because mm. the second half became so Springbok-oriented the last 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it dragged, didn't it? It was not in a bad way. But no, no, good. in a good way. In a good way. Just because so much happened. Sometimes the best rugby games do just feel like they go on forever. Oh, yeah. Especially at that level of intensity, just because so much shit's going on, on and off the ball. That Wales-Fiji game was six days long. It was. It was. God. So, um, we should probably talk about... Because the thing is, right, neither of us know anything about scrums. No. And yet I absolutely loved everything that's going on at the scrum there. Oh, me that too. That felt like such an even back and forth battle... Um, you had scrums that were entirely level. You had scrums with Springboks on top. Springboks got on top of more than Ireland did. Yeah. Ireland also got on top of really important Especially moments. Especially when Ox came on. Like, yeah. That was the microcosm of the thing I was saying earlier about you can never predict what's going to go on in this game. Yeah. That, um, you know, Ox came on and demolished Tyke Furlong. Um, the penalty that ultimately put Ireland ahead, though, was from Ireland winning a scrum yeah. after Ox and Shea had come yeah, on and done that. which was so unpredictable. Yeah. And then Ox goes and wins another one down the other end later on. And then they have a scrum where it's completely still. Yeah. And there was a lot of scrums that were completely still. And I kind of love those. Yeah, exactly. And there was so much physical effort going in. Yeah. There was so much genuine drain on both those sets of players. I really like this because we're both like stretching the amount oh, of scrum God, analysis. Oh, yeah. God, I mean, about, there I am. But... 
honestly, it laid it was a so enjoyable. It was so good for yeah, what this game was. I so rarely go into a game and give a shit about the scrum. Yeah, um, like I did in that one. I was I loved every every single time there was a scrum. I go like, oh, this is really interesting because you you can't predict it. Whereas yeah. usually you go, oh shit, there's a scrum, they're dominating us, or whatever. Or like, oh yes, a scrum, we're dominating them. Or, oh okay, scrum, we can launch something from this, because it's parity. And that was what we saw for the Springbok try, right? That it was off that scrum, mm. it was off that scrum getting a nudge. And it's a lovely, gorgeous move, because you think they're going very direct. Yeah. Because Damien Dillander, I think, has his best game in years. He was um, excellent. I thought Both he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Made one real blockbuster carry into Sexton. Yes. Knocked him on his ass. Sexton went down holding his shoulder. You had a moment. You could hear Ireland as a nation. Not just the people of Ireland, the bloody grass itself. Just breathing a deep breath and just hope that he'll get back up. And, he, you know, he did. Um, but we did have Diolande on this kind of blockbuster form. When they hit him, you are bracing yourself as yeah. if you're an Irish player. There, You're just trying to jam in on him. And it opens so much space up. For Colby, everyone adapting and everyone stepping in one, and eventually Colby goes over in the corner. Yeah. Tries to take it bend a bit out of the post. Doesn't do him any good. Doesn't do him any good. Yeah. Just really good evolution of where the Springboks are from where they were a few years ago in terms of them actually using that advantage of the game from the scrum, playing off advantage rather than just going direct, direct, direct and taking the scrum again. Unbelievable ball by Libok. Phenomenal ball, phenomenal ball by Libok. But they had a set move that they knew they were running, everyone knew their lines, and then Libok, they're trusting to throw the miracle ball because they know he can. They know that's what he can do, yeah. what he can create out of nothing. Um, absolutely brilliant. Really, really cool evolution of them as a team, just yeah. kind of bringing bits forward um, and open that up completely. And here's the thing. The Springboks didn't win this game, but I think there's an awful lot of, if someone is going to beat Ireland, it'll become because they did an awful lot of video analysis on this game. Yeah. And they saw exactly what the Springboks did. Yeah. And they went, okay, we'll try and do that as best we can and hope Ireland underestimate us a little bit. Sure, sure. And yet, the fact is Ireland won that. Yep. Um, and it's it's difficult at this stage to kind of look at that and go like, okay, what's Ireland's next weakness? And mm. yet, I don't know, man. I just feel like on the back of that, like it feels like Ireland will always have a plan B. They'll always have something else they can turn to. And again, that they're resilient enough mm. to get through that. But yeah, no, sorry, I'm dodging, dodging the point. But I think their plan B is to withstand. Yes. Right? And if they can withstand the Springbok pack, they can withstand, I think, 98% of things in rugby. Yeah. What What is there in the world that's more powerful than the Springbok pack? You know, two Springbok packs. <laughs> yeah. You know the only thing, what those 2% are? What? Antoine Dupont. Genuinely? Yeah. Like, it's less about can Ireland beat France and more about can Ireland beat Antoine Dupont. Yeah. Well, they've got to be both, can, can, Yeah, right. But can anyone beat Antoine Dupont? Can anyone stop him yeah. other than Johan Dezel too soon? But, <laughs> yeah, the, it, it, it's a complete game changer. And mm. um, this is slightly changing the topic a little bit, but I do reckon France v Italy in a week's time, Maxime Lucas is going to come in and get man of the match. Mm. And then it's going to be this big redemption arc about like, oh no, but we can do it without him. But we can. And then uh, Antoine Dupont's going to like sit on the bench, come on in the next, in the quarterfinal and then be unbelievable and win and the like, World Cup. So the two, I've made this point in videos before, right? But the two most successful jobs of nullifying Dupont, because everyone has had a go for four years yeah. now, right? Everyone has come in with a tactic to nullify Dupont. And most teams, South Africa did this, Ireland did this themselves go hard on him and try and just like hit him hard and you know nail him after the ball and whatever and he rides tackles consistently that's it he like, makes it out of look him look at the England game whatever. this year they tried yeah. doing that and then every time he got an arm free and they were freeing Aldry around him and whoever the two best examples have happened were Wales last year and England the year before 
mm-hmm. where both sides left traps for him yeah. and they were incredibly patient and they let him run with the ball a bit and then tried to lull him into things so that he would kill other chances because he can't, because he's so good, right? He will naturally take things on himself that perhaps he shouldn't. And if you lay him a chance to take on, you know, you give him an extra yard of space, yeah. but that means that you're covering everything else and nothing else is going and you make it up knowing it's going to happen. Mm. Those two teams were able to cancel that out. That is not how Ireland defend. No. Right? The most effective means of shutting down DuPont is not how Ireland defend. When we've seen Leinster beat to lose, they've done it by taking their pack away from them. They've done it by scoring loads of lovely tries. Toulouse's defence is nowhere near as good as France's. And they haven't really shut down DuPont. DuPont has historically and scored a lot of tries in those Leinster games. Their pack's not as big as France's is. You no. know? Uh, they've got a massive pack, obviously, to lose. But like, you're thinking of the likes of... like. Um, Winnie Antonio. It's not dynamic that. as well, you're I think. Thinking of like, yeah, exactly. And you're thinking of like Paul Valemsa potentially mm. coming back, which we're still waiting on the, you know, the potential return of. But Gregory Aldrich, these guys. I think when you look at, if you were to compare that Toulouse pack to that France pack, mm. every player that isn't the same, I think is an upgrade for the France pack. Yes. Right. So like, I think Olivon is a massive upgrade on Elstad. I think Elstad's a fantastic player. Yeah. You know, um, I think the Arnold brothers, yeah, the Arnolds are superb, but if they get Willemser back and they have Wokey, that's phenomenal. That's, you know, as good as any lock combo in the world. Even Tafu Fanua, who's a fat bastard. Tafu is good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's so much opening up for this World Cup. There's so much. It's so interesting. That game was so exhausting and so brilliant and so wonderful. Um, there's so much to talk about. I can't wait to watch it back tomorrow or yeah. whenever we can get to it. Um, I want to do a video on Uruguay as well. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I feel like we have seen the two best teams in the world, or certainly two of the three best teams in the world, go hammer and tongues at each other. Um, I'm not confident that would be the final or those would be the last two teams left in this, but it easily could be. That's it. We've not seen the last of the Springboks here. No, we haven't. There's a lot still to come, especially with Andre Pollard back in the mix. I just, I've got sneaky suspicion, man. I don't know. They, as I said, if those two played again in the final, it'd be well deserved and it'd be an incredible game. Okay. As a Welsh fan and therefore someone expecting to just be like out in the group stage when like Portugal yeah. beat us by 50 in a rematch that World Rugby arranged. Yeah. Um, I'll be okay with that. Um, largely. Would you rather, from this position, be Irish or South African? Oh. Purely for the sake of this World Cup. I'm not saying like, yeah. you're not like, oh, the South African economy isn't as strong as the Irish economy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Oh, the, the views in this screen in South Africa is beautiful. I'm going Irish. Okay. Expand. I, I just feel like, again, the resilience of this team mm. uh, is clearly really, really strong. And, uh, again, if that can double as like a setback for them, that they've had a really tight game. Um, I feel like if they can beat South Africa, despite their poor, the, the, the really difficult mm. running that they've got coming up, I think they can get through it. But it's a tall order. It's a tall order. It is, I won't it pretend is. it isn't. But if anyone's capable of it, it's France. I mean, it's Ireland. <laughs> if New Zealand had beaten France on the opening day, I'd say South African. Okay. If it had fallen the other way around and South Africa were able to avoid France, mm-hmm. I would rather be South Africa with Pollard coming back in. Yeah. Because I think that it's is a, a team changer. that successfully took down the number one team in the world to a level we haven't seen them kind of reduce before. And yet they came through and won, right? 
that's the side for Ireland. But from a South African point of view, you're like, well, you know, we're still good as anyone else. You mm. throw in a goal kicker and you, you know, hope so, Ricky Bumba Nambion so the lineup imagine, remains. Imagine though that they bring on Pollard in the centres for the second half of the game. Yeah. Pollard kicks the goals, Libox still kicking for the sideline. Yeah. Like, it's almost unbeatable with the pack they've got. Yeah. However, I do think the Springboks playing France is such a tough order. Yeah. Um, and look, I've mentioned Ireland and New Zealand have so much history that that's hard to call. They're harder to call than it should be because I think Ireland are a notably better team than yes, New Zealand. Definitely. But I think there's a, there's a history and there's an alchemy and there's a bullshit factor that could lead to New Zealand winning. You that. can never write the All Blacks um, off against anybody. I just don't Ireland. know, man. I just don't know. The country I really want to be from is from Chile and you know what? It's a shame. It's a shame. What a bloody World Cup we have on here. It's a good one, isn't it? It's a good one. And it's so hard to call. It's near impossible to decide where this is going. I'm chuffed for Ireland winning that game. I think they really deserve it. I think, um, yeah, the fact that they pulled through that in the end, I'm delighted for them. It's one of those games where whoever won deserved it. And Ireland really bloody deserved it. Yeah. That was an amazing achievement to win that game. And Hopefully it hasn't happened too much. Lads, have an (laughs) ice bath. Have 20. I bet they're going to live in an ice bath. Yeah. They should live with an ice bath for a week at least. Yeah. And also, like, Lord protect Tyburn's left boot. Yes. <laughs> Andrew Porter played like 75 minutes there. Yeah. 70 That's minutes, a shift, isn't it? Which is insane. Yeah. Absolutely huge game. Absolutely huge performance from Ireland. Almost as good a performance by South Africa. Those are my world yeah. number one and world number two teams in the world for a reason. God, what a pool game. What a pool game. What a pool game. And can't wait for Scotland Tonga tomorrow. <laughs> that's the thing, like, yeah. <laughs> There's still a world in which Ireland go out in the group stage. That'd be hilarious. Scotland beat them by eight. Well. Pick up maximum points. South Africa continue pick up maximum points from here. And suddenly, suddenly we're looking at Ireland going out in the group stage, which would be that would be really very, funny. very funny. Obviously, I don't um, want that to happen. I mean, like, that would be funny. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, look, absolutely going for Ireland. I know there's a lot of like, oh, Squidward Island bullshit going around. I don't. It's just, I'm bored, whatever. But um, it would be objectively a funny thing to happen. <laughs> and when they, when they if had it was the around world and, class performance. Yeah, if it was the other way around and South Africa had won that and then went out of the group stage, it would also be funny. Um, if it was Wales doing it, it would also be funny. Yeah. It's if just England did it, it would funny. be really, really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Does that pretty much take us through our I reckon so. game? Do you have anything else so. to say on this particular match? Ben O'Keefe, very good. Yeah, good lad, good ref, um, good game. Blimey. Great atmosphere in Stade de France. Also, yeah, you know what? I will end it on this note. The rendition of Zombie on the final whistle was absolutely like Excellent. hairs on the back of the neck stuff. Excellent that was brilliant. Stuff. Irish fans were amazing and Bundyaki was right to pull out on the final whistle and say that. Yeah. Whew. So, thank you for listening. Um, we will come back with an episode on the other three games from Saturday and last night's rugby match between the one team and the other team between Argentina and Samoa, which we were at. Yeah. We were there, so we should probably talk about that at some point. Um, and otherwise, we hope you have a wonderful, lovely continuation of the World Cup. Um, and bloody Wales are playing tomorrow. Oh my God, Christ. I can't put up with it. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah. All right. We'll see you very soon. Rugby. Rugby. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.